Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Inside and Out. This is your host, C.B. Baker, doing a football update with the legend himself, Leroy Mercy Keys. Before we bring him on, let's pay some bills. Um, big shout out to our sponsors, Armed Forces Network. While we were asleep, you were awake, making sure our way of life stayed the same. Seabreeze, the leader in transitional housing and more. My main man, Flash G, is in the house. Uh, next up is... Dan and Nissan, man, Nissan of Chesapeake. If you're in the Hampton Roads area and you need a car, you need a new vehicle, go see Dan and Nissan, man, at, uh, down there in Chesapeake. He will hook you up with a nice ride. Now that we've paid the bills, I'd like to give a, a big shout out to Coach Hatcher, who is feeling better now. He is actually now on the air on a regular basis doing the NBA update with Wally Jones. As you know, I filled in a little bit there, given my limited knowledge of the NBA. But I think I held on the Ford as best as I could. But big shout out to um, uh, Coach Hatcher. He seems to be like a kid in the candy shop, able to be back on the air talking about the great sport of basketball. But now we're going to be talking today, which we haven't had uh, a football update in a while because I had to go do the duty for the NBA. But got Leroy Mercy Keys back with me on Sports Insider. Welcome to the show, Leroy. Glad to talk to you, CB, and glad to be back. And hopefully, uh, can get some kind of words of encouragement as we start looking forward to this 2017-18 year in the NFL and NCAA football. Yes, and it's uh, the uh, football season, as you know. It's really this is the part where I always tell people this is where the championship is being won is during these months, during the off-season acquisitions. If you're talking about college ball, it's the workout regimen that that the teams are going through. Spring practice is over with. What are the kids going to do during the summer? And the same with the young adults playing in the NFL. And now, you know, the way sports medicine is working now, Leroy, you got you got people like Tom Brady. You know, they're, you know, they're playing uh, close to 40 years old now. You know, it's it's just amazing what we're able to what we're able to see players in the NFL are doing nowadays. It, it, it's quite amazing, CB, and uh, using Tom Brady as an example is a great example. But as we look across the board right now, personally, uh, you look at Brady, 40, and you're looking at Drew Brees at New Orleans approaching 39. You're looking at uh, Mr. Rogers out in Green Bay approaching that same. Uh, Eli Manning, most of these guys are veterans, so they know how to take care of their body and or bodies. And with uh, all of the medical technology that is coming forth now, uh, supplements and different things they're taking. Uh, these guys are warriors, and, and uh, I hate to use this terminology, but I think a lot of these players are saying, you know, I don't want to do up that contract yet, sort of like a la Brett Favre before he decided to step down. But the right. bottom line is uh, they are getting uh, well taken care of in the offseason. They're taking care of their bodies. Uh, they're keeping their minds sharp. As uh, long as they don't get hit and have to have major surgery, I think a lot of these players can can really catch up with uh, the young man from the coach, Adam Benatari, who does nothing but hit field goals, but can stay in shape. They're not taking a physical beating uh, week in and week out. And so uh, I kind of applaud the system now, but quite naturally there's a lot of young quarterbacks and a lot of young players sitting in the wings waiting their turn to – take the uh, mantle and say, hey, look, you did a great job. Time for you to move on over to the press box, uh, join Tony Romo, and, and let me do my <laughs> thing. 
Yeah. Now, uh, since you mentioned uh, taking a beating, let's talk about uh, Marshawn Lynch, who is rumored that he retired the first time because he was taking that beating um, from the lack of offensive line that the Seattle Seahawks had. And they didn't seem at no point did the Seahawks seem like they was going to build up offensive line. If anything, when they got a good person, they traded him away. And now he's back with the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest news out of this whole offseason is the Oakland moving to Las Vegas and then Marshawn Lynch coming out of retirement and joining the Raiders and really bolstering an already good team. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I think uh, Marshawn is making a – personally, making a great decision because, you know, when you sit back and you look at the game – from a different perspective, whether you're sitting in your own living room or sitting down in your TV room and the basement and you're watching guys that you've played with and played against. And then you start kind of looking at your finances and you say, well, look, I can still do that and not be in in perfect shape. Just imagine this guy goes back into the weight room, starts lifting, starts running, getting body back to where it was. Because he ran with a lot of reckless abandon, but also he ran smartly. Uh, uh, he would dish out punishment, but if he could avoid a uh, head-on collision with a linebacker in a hole, uh, he had nimble enough feet or uh, footage or footwork to elude a potential head-on collision. And I just think that Marshawn Lynch is saying, look, going to Oakland is not going to hurt my reputation. Uh, when we go to him play the Seahawks, I'm quite certain that I'll get booed unceremoniously, but the bottom line is <laughs> it's all about am I am I really ready mentally and physically to get back into this game after sitting for a full year? And I'm gonna say yes, because this this kid was a bull in a China in the China shop. Yeah. Uh he, he but he was nimble enough to know I can get down the aisles, I know I can have enough speed to get outside. But like we always state that one year, sort of like what happened to Mike Tyson or what happened to Michael Vick, when you take time away from the game, do you lose that edge and that desire when you do get hit and when you put uh, your ankle or your knee or your shoulder? Are you ready to go back into the combat and say, hey, look, for the Oakland Raiders, I'm going to get 100% of what Marshawn Lynch has always been about, right. the guy who could be a difference maker. Yeah, you know, one thing out, and it's a two-sided coin, too, because you can have a situation to where I remember when Magic Johnson years ago was saying, after he got his big contract, he was like, I now get to play the game for fun because I now I've got the money, the business side of it is out the way. And Marshawn yeah. Lynch may be on that same level. Like, he had a year away, and he might have said, okay, I actually miss playing football, and I'm not coming back for money. You know, um, I'm playing the game because I love the game, similar to what what Jerry Rice did when he went to the Raiders. You know, he uh-huh. obviously wasn't the same player that he was when he was with the 49ers, but he loved playing the game. Now, here's the thing, and I and I may mention about this um, to a couple of friends of mine. Marshawn Lynch situation, in my opinion, is similar to Adrian Peterson when he got injured the first time. And he got injured, he tore his ACL, and he had a com- almost a complete year off. No, he didn't get banged up. He didn't get, you know, because the ACL, once the doctor goes back in there, reattach everything, it's just rehab, you know. And then if you're already in peak condition when it happens, you know, you can bounce back pretty relatively quickly now with the sports medicine that they have available. So right. 
Marshawn Lynch had something similar without the injury. So he had the ability just to rest. So you could really have a situation to where Marshawn Lynch can come back and rush for 13, 1,500 yards for the Oakland Raiders if they if they put together a nice scheme for him. Because uh, it's very possible, especially the 18-game season. Well, you know, when, when you when you look at it, and you hit it right on the head, with the sports medicine being where it is, and here's a young man, and I'm not saying he's in his 40s or in his late 30s or mid-30s. This guy may be just turning 30, 32. And he still has something in the carburetor. Uh, he's running on high octane. He set out and he saw what he needed to see. And when he made the decision, it wasn't a, a decision just based on, well, you know, how much money am I going to get? How many records I'm going to set? He said, look, I love the game enough that I'm willing to sit down with my agent, sit down with the representative from the Oakland Raiders or whomever the highest bidder might have been, because I'm quite certain uh, that Oakland wasn't the only team. But he looked at it and said, wait a minute, Oakland looked like they present their quarterback fairly well. They look like they got an up-and-coming offensive line that blocks well. And uh, they have a defense that will probably keep me off the field enough by getting other guys off keep the other guys on the field and letting them off the field. And I think Marshawn Lynch just said, this is the right time for me to say, take yourself out of involuntary retirement and come back into the league and do what you do best. Run the ball, make sure that the defense pays special attention to you. And the bottom line, he has good hands and good vision coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, I, I think it was a no brainer. And I think Marshawn Lynch is saying, look, I don't know how many more opportunities I will get to do what I love. And I, I don't want to sit at home constantly wondering, can I still do it? Do I still have it? And I think this is a, a, a statement that he is saying to the NFL, watch out, Marshawn Lynch is back on the, uh, I want to call it, on the trail or on the path <laughs> to uh, doing what he does best, yeah. make teams change their off defensive structure just for me. Now switching gears um, here, Leroy, Let's go to your neck of the woods, which is NFC East. Okay, so this is um, quite interesting for this. So far, this offseason, you know, the Giants let go of Victor Cruz and then picked up Brandon Mm -hmm. Marshall. Um, The Philadelphia Eagles picked up Alshon Jeffrey from um, the Bears. And the Redskins really didn't pick up anybody, and the Cowboys didn't do anything for real. Is is this like a... um, I can't find the words. I don't know if they're if the if each team in this conference feels comfortable where they at, or they just are waiting for the following year, you know, to see who comes available in the draft or in the free agency. Well, you know, you can't get out of the NFL East unless you are constantly looking to upgrade your your system. Uh, whether you know you're looking at. Uh, Mark, they, um, the kid from the Bears coming to the Eagles. They now have a quarterback Jeffrey. who they know they're going to put a, a lot of stock in the quarterback. And they said, well, we need somebody to throw the ball into him. Uh, when they got rid of uh, Mr. Jackson and sent him down to the, to the Redskins, they had uh, not a legitimate outside threat, although the young man from Vanderbilt has shown me that he has skills, but quite naturally, can we keep him healthy throughout the season? And 
the Cowboys decided, hey, we can we, we have our marquee quarterback now that we don't have him. We can only show the one and when Tony is going to come back in and play. And you got one of the best young running backs in uh, Mr. Elliott down there with the Cowboys. So I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are going to be the two teams to be reckoned with. But is Eli Manning ready to step down yet? We don't know. Uh, a seasoned veteran up there with the Giants, they put the right pieces together. The Redskins, quite naturally, hey, we went through a year and a half, two years of wondering what's going to happen to RG3, and we know what happened with him. Now we're looking at Cousins. Do they really feel comfortable that Cousins is the person that can get them over the hump and keep them in that top three mix between the Eagles, Cowboys, and Redskins? Because they really feel like the Giants is one step below them. So I, I just think that a lot of teams, as you stated, are sitting back saying, we weren't really, really, really bad in the past, but have we done enough? And what must we continuously do? Because there can be some transactions going on that we are not aware of today that is going on because those general managers and, and, and coaches don't go to sleep in the NFL. They're always looking at the waiver wire, who is dissatisfied where they're located. Right. Can we get in the mix and bring that one piece or two pieces to the puzzle that will get us over the hump? Yeah. And I just think everybody's sitting back trying to trying to marginalize themselves and say, well, let's not go out here too fast and make too many mistakes, but we could bring some pieces in here that may not fit. And we got to be careful that what we bring into, whether our organization, whether it be the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Redskins, or the Jacks, that this person is not going to be a, a distraction in the, in the locker room, but he's going to be an asset to the program. Yeah, and and that's um, one thing that's kind of baffling to me is what the Giants did, you know, letting go Victor Cruz and then picking up Brandon Marshall. And in my eyes, you know, a healthy Victor Cruz is the same as Brandon Marshall. So apparently there was something, there had to be something going on in the locker room for the Giants to say, for this fan favorite, we're not talking about, you know, you know, Larry on the corner, you know, <laughs> that, that barely made the team. We're talking about Victor right. Cruz, who for years was like the face of the Giants other than um, Eli Manning. Um, so those things didn't quite make any sense. And then Leroy, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to go ahead and put it go out ahead. there. Is Eli Manning now the new Tony Romo? Uh, <laughs> that's a loaded one. See, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say yes because let, let's let's be realistic about the whole process. You you have a Victor Cruz, and you found out that Victor might have lost a step, but he's still Victor Cruz, the guy who can make plays. But I think what happened in reality, a right-handed quarterback always seems to be saying, "I'm going. I'm, I got, if my blind side is protected by a powerful." tackle on the back end. I got Mr. Odell Beckham to my right. This man makes plays after plays after plays. And I think right now, Eli Manning is kind of cruising on Odell Beckham. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, well, Victor, you know, we're not going to the backside. Uh, If you run the crossing route, we may find you. But if this acrobatic, fantastic receiver on the right side is still dominating on one-on-one coverage or zone coverage, I think he's. I think Eli Manning has tried to say, "Look, I'm still living off of 
my brothers. I'm living off my daddy, Archie, Ed, Dayton. <laughs> and if I can roll in a couple more extra years with Odell Beckham as my primary receiver and we can get us a tight end who can get open in the seams, uh, why not? And, 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 and Tony Romo was doing the same thing in Dallas, but nobody expected Zach Prescott to come on the scene the way he did. Right. That's right. And so Tony, so Eli Manning is now sitting up saying, wait a minute, I, I really am not ready to go up in the press box because hopefully when Peyton becomes a general manager at somewhere, a la John Elway, I will be working with my brother because the Manning, they are tighter than Gorilla Glue. Uh, that he's saying, if I can get another year in in New York, Odell Beckham stays healthy. We really didn't need a Victor Cruz. So the bottom line is, I'm seeing him just rolling on the same thing. I know I got a seat waiting in the press box somewhere for me down the road. Yeah, he does. So if I can milk it for one, if I can milk it for one more year, I'll do it. And I think this is his milk season. Uh, let's see what we can do. The conference doesn't seem to be over saturated with a lot of. Anybody, nobody's going to win 16, 15 games in the NFL East. I don't see it. No. So how can I take and get through this season and where we are looked at and we're respected by the Cowboys, we're respected by the Eagles, we're respected by the other teams in our conference. Can we just win the conference and get into a position to compete again for a Super Bowl championship? Because I know Eli Manning would love to go out uh, as a Super Bowl champion. And I think Giants are saying, hey, y'all keep looking at the Cowboys and the Eagles. But with just, just the idea that we got Eli back who has more experience than any other quarterback in the league because the quarterback at the Eagles is still young. He's still making maybe some bad reads. Uh, Zach is still young down at Dallas. But Zach can beat you with his feet where Eli is now saying, I can beat you with my arm because I'm, I'm not a threat to run anyway. No. And so it's going to be interesting to see how these four teams stacked up this year, and uh, everybody seemed to try to want to upgrade, but when you're losing a Victor Cruz, you're losing a guy who has uh, a knowledge of the game. He may not be as fast as he was, the knee may not have uh, helped him, but I still believe that a Victor Cruz, he'll, somebody's going to pick up Victor Cruz, and Victor Cruz is going to say to the Giants, look what you lost. Right. That's right. Now, moving up north and switching over to the AFC, um, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there that this could happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm not going to, completely predicting it yet, but we could have one of the most disappointing seasons out of one of the most powerful conferences uh, consistently, which is the AFC North. You know, with the Baltimore Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers. Now, let's focus in on the Browns. That goes without saying they haven't really done too much noise in in years. But the Steelers, are we looking at Leroy like the the end of a not necessarily a dynasty, but end of an era for the Steelers with you know uh, Ben Roethlisberger teetering on may play, may not play. Uh, Tomlin may get fired on the hot seat this year. It's a lot of things that could happen at the end of this year. Um. <laughs> You know, when we look at the Browns, uh, you know, even though they may are seeing the right thing with Miles Gary coming up there, they're going to have a, a, somebody who can be an impact player. But you still got to score points in the NFL. And I, I, I think Cleveland may be 
a couple of years away. I'm gonna say two years at least away from being back in the in the in the mix. But when you look at the Ravens, Flacco is getting he's not getting any younger. Uh, I think the Ravens are still kind of sulking over the Ray Rice situation from two and a half, three years ago. They haven't they have not grown out of that yet. Uh, but when you look at the Steelers and you look at Mike Tomlin, uh, quite naturally, the one thing that I don't think anybody in the NFL wants to start debating or discussing again was the fact that there's such an imbalance amongst the 32 teams or 33 teams in the league. You only have X number of minority coaches. And Mike Tomlin has shown that he is a coach who can win with the right ingredients. Ben Roethlisberger, on the other hand, is a quarterback who is big. Uh, Outside of Cam Newton, he's the biggest quarterback, one of the biggest quarterbacks in the league. He can stay in the pocket. He can take hits but he can still get rid of the ball. But even at that, when you're that big and these uh, defensive ends, Russians coming in, blitzers coming off the corner and your legs and your right arm is susceptible to any kind of shoulder injury or a knee, knee problem. And, and Ben has had his share of hits. Has Ben gotten softer? Yes. He's gotten much softer. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think Ben likes to get hit. Ben is sort of like Tom Brady. Tom Brady will look at the official every time somebody smells or come near him. <laughs> like, did you see that? Right. And the official is standing back there with his hand on his on the on the hanky, ready to throw the, the flag <laughs> saying, You came too close to Mr. Brady, Brady that time. And Ben is now saying, Well, why is Tom getting these calls and I'm not getting these calls? Right. And and yet we turn around every Sunday or Saturday or Friday, whatever night the NFL is on, and we see Cam Newton get polls. And the officials are saying, well, you're such a big young man. They can't hit you. That little hit shouldn't bother you. But they they know how to protect those who they choose to protect. And that's coming from Leroy Keaton. And the bottom line is, I just think Ben Roethlisberger said, look, how many more years? And if it wasn't for the exposure that they get every game day, and then knowing that uh, Tony Romo didn't decide uh, I, I won't be making $500,000 a year because I know I have a place in the booth. Jerry Jones will make sure that happens for me. Right. Uh, I don't know if if the death of uh, Rooney, uh, the Rooney uh, father will help uh, Ben Rothenberger. But Ben Rothenberger saying, look, I've had a great career in the NFL. Uh, where is my seat in the press box? Because the old guys are now the field sims and those guys are being moved around and it's more – rights to TV and they want to hear what the quarterbacks say because uh, we still see linemen occasionally but the bottom line is we who sit in front of TV love to hear what the quarterbacks have to say about what they see in coverage and so I, I just think it's a mix but I think Tomlin had to have a winning season but I think Pittsburgh is going to go as far as Mr. Bell if he comes back healthy. I think it's going to be a lot on his injured body to see how they take the, I want to call it the pressure or the heat off of Ben because you still got an excellent passing game up in Pittsburgh. You got an excellent running back and you still got Ben Rosenberger. So I think Tomlin is not in trouble yet, but if he has a bad year this year, trust me, we'll be minus one African-American coach in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, now, one thing I will say is Pittsburgh is not like the other organizations. They, they are very loyal to their head coaches and coaching staff. So right. they, they're they very understanding of the 
you know, and it's, it's, it's a whole lot that goes into uh, a winning season in the NFL. You got injuries, uh, you know, all the way down to players having deaths in the family. You know, anything mm-hmm. can happen. You know, you take a guy who, um, you know, who sprains an ankle or rolls an ankle in practice. And then, you know, a guy rolls him up, a, you know, a little bit in the game. And then now he's dealing with that that same injury. Not, you know, it's not like the NBA where you can take two or three games off. You know, you can take two or three weeks off and you're good. You take two or three weeks off in the NFL. The season is done. If you if you lose three straight, if you if you come out 0-3 and you get injured in, in, um, in training camp and you're not able to play and your team goes 0-3, the chances of you making the playoffs is like, you know, slim to none. And and that's just, and that's factual. You can go look at the numbers. So the NFL, that's what I like about Pittsburgh Steelers. They're very loyal to an understanding where some of these other organizations, because they've been losing for so long, they're they're waiting for a jump start. Like I didn't agree with the Jacksonville Jaguars firing their coach and hiring Tom Conflin. Tom Conflin is 70 plus years old. He is not a long-term fit. You're basically already saying that to the fans, hey, we're not going to have this coach, what, well, um, Levy for the Bills. He coached, what, to 75? You know, so you got you got the tops five more years. You got five years with uh-huh. Tom Conflin. You know, so I, I just don't understand why they would do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's funny, but here's the situation. The question, the question for me goes to this degree: when you look at recruiting every year, you look at your drafts, and you look at what you have, and you sit back and you say to yourself, "Where is the line? If the guy is an assistant coach, you can understand this guy maybe in his mid sixties." He's been a he's been around. I want to call it been around the circle many times. But eventually, you look at a seventy year old man now standing in front of a group of the oldest guy may be the quarterback who is in his thirties. So you're still looking at thirty three years between him and the coach. <laughs> Relating to the younger players who didn't even know he was a coach when they were in high school, right? Didn't know he was a coach when they were in college. Tom Cotton? Wow. We got a guy 70 years old standing up and say he's going to motivate us. I, I don't see him getting out there trying to show anybody how to run the ball or throw the ball. Uh, I mean, I, that's why we got assistant coaches in the NFL. But I, I look at a player saying, wow, our coach is older than my granddad, older than my father, older than my great grandfather, whatever. Tom Cochran maybe a student of the game, but quite naturally, we got young folks who will have a hard time relating to him. Uh, and and when you look at it, when 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 the Gibbs of the world, when the Lombardis of the world, when the, we go back to the old guys who had longevity, 16, 17 years with the same program, Cochran had reputation with the Giants. Right. He may have had a little run-in with some other teams in the league as an assistant coach. But I think Tom Coughlin, if they gave him a contract extension, if they gave him more than a one-year contract, somebody in the Jacksonville organization need to be whipped. 
<laughs> I, I mean, this, this I, I just don't see a team that is trying to find its way out of a doldrum achieving with a coach who's going to have a situation of trying to say, how do I relate to these 22-year-old to 30-year-old men on a regular basis? Right. Uh, with, with, the, with the chemistry of the world today, with the drugs, with the the, uh, the wife battery and all this stuff that's going on. I don't know if Tom Cochran can really sit down and relate to a player that this is not acceptable. I, I see the player looking at him like, what are you talking about? And so I, I, I see all kind of, uh, I see all kind of mixed messages coming out of that hiring. I, I just don't see this being a good hire. And now maybe, maybe Tom Cochran will fool me in the long run, but, Basically, I, I just don't see it, and especially when you have a team that has never been on the top. I mean, they, they, they've had a, some good seasons, but they're not consistent, yeah. as you stated, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, like the New England Patriots, like the Dallas Cowboys, uh, like the Washington Redskins. You, you don't see that coming out of Jacksonville. I right. mean, you know, when you look at Miami, they were always considered to be the team out of, out of that division in the state of Florida who was the powerhouse. But Jacksonville was just another team in the league. Yeah. And, and then the ironic thing about it is if Tom Coughlin was to pull off a miracle and go down there and the Jacksonville Jaguars was to have a deep run in the playoffs or win the Super Bowl, you still had a 70-year-old coach. It's it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's almost uh, too – yeah, I'm not going to say too little, too late because you won a Super Bowl, but you can't start a dynasty – with the coach at that age, unless now what was the, um, I forget the guys, the coach named up at Pittsburgh. He coached to almost 80 as assistant coach, as defensive coordinator, you know, so you can do it, but it's highly unlikely for it to happen. Now I will say, yeah, yeah, right. Dick LeBron. Um, now I would have thought this was, I would have thought this would have been a good move uh, for the Bengals. You know, for a team that this seems to lack discipline, then you bring in a disciplinarian and Tom Coughlin and you get him in there for a couple of years, get the organization straight, you know, get everything back in order on the field. And then you right. go get a young coach to come in, you know, set, set the playing field right, level it off real good for you. And then um, you come in and hire a new young coach. And, and Marv Lewis, he'll go somewhere and be a defensive coordinator somewhere and still make good money. It's not like, he, you know, he's just going to be sitting, you know, at home, you know, right. uh, cooking barbecue during the season. He's going to actually right. be doing something, you know. So, um, so that's one thing that I would have saw if the Bengals would have made us a, a switch like that and got Tom Coughlin. That would have made sense. It doesn't make any sense for the Jacksonville Jaguars to do that. And I heard today, uh, Leroy, on the radio show that um, Victor Cruz is going down there tomorrow to visit the Jacksonville Jaguars because, you know, Victor Cruz played underneath Tom Coughlin. So that's one of the teams that he's looking to go to, um, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars, which now if you remove the Tom Coughlin situation out of that, right, that's actually not Mm -hmm. a bad fit for Victor Cruz and for Jacksonville because they need a receiver down there. So um, that greatly improves their chances of winning and getting out of the basement of that conference. Well, you know, it, it, just giving credence to to that information, and when you step back and you think about 
Victor Cruz. Victor is saying, truthfully, how many more years do I have? (laughs) Uh, Am am, am I 28, 29, 30? Am I a suspect receiver? Will I go into Jacksonville and be accepted by the guys who are already playing or someone who I may relegate to the bench? But the bottom line is Tom Coughlin knows what Victor Cruz is all about. So that would be almost a a natural fit for both of them. I'm bringing in a player who I've had history with, I had a relationship with, versus I'm going into a program where I know basically nobody except what I have read or what I see in front of me sitting in the office looking at the depth chart. And so when I I see that happening, I think that's a, a wise and smart move if Victor Cruz decides this is where I want to settle down for the next two years or three years. I don't see Victor Cruz having a, 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 another five years or six years. Oh, I mean, when you say yeah. Jerry Rice and you you talk about uh, what the, the, the uh, Randy Moss and these guys who get moved around, they can seem like because of speed and height, they seem to stay around a little while. Victor had, in my estimation, a one breakout season and everybody said, wow, he's a great receiver, but he didn't have Odell Beckham on the team at the time. That's right. So the bottom line is, I think I just think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it will be a great move for Victor, and I think it will be a smart move on the part of the organization to say, let's bring somebody in that he's familiar with, that knows his scheme, his offense catch, what kind of formations is he going to bring down here? Uh, is he going to change the the play call in situations so much that the quarterback would have to make sure they understand the playbook uh, page by page, letter by letter, and period, and dot by dot. So it's going to be interesting, and I think Dickie Cruz has to say to himself, it's not too many teams out here that say we need Victor Cruz. But the Jacksonville Jaguars say, hey, come in here and we, we, we'll see what the possibilities may bring. And I think it's a smart move on the part of the organization. And it's definitely a smart move on the part of a coach coming into a program where uh, that might have had success once upon a time. But now trying to say, what do we need to do and who can we bring in the locker room that will change the atmosphere and get us over the hump and be recognized as a, a, a legitimate contender in our conference? Yes. Well, our time is uh, winding down here, people. Um, I'd like to thank everybody who supports Sports Inside and Out, Legends of Sports um, uh, broadcast and podcast. And you can hear us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. So please make sure that you subscribe so you'll get an instant update to your um, phone or your tablet when we have uploaded a new um, episode. Um, thank you so much, Leroy Keys, for joining us today. Is there anything you got going on that you need to let the listeners know about? Well, uh, not anything special right now because uh, CB, I know it's early in the year and we're still looking at uh, all the young men who were drafted by the respective NFL teams, and we really don't know exactly how they may fit in with the existing programs. But I think uh, I will be uh, glad to let the the, the outside world of sports understand that uh, football is a game that doesn't sit down and rest. It's a 24 uh, seven daily program and, and general managers, owners, and everybody else scouts, they are constantly working to improve their, their, their lot uh, as they get toward what we want to call the Super Bowl. So uh, I just think I'll, I'll be doing some more research and seeing how these older generation quarterbacks 
are able to still stay healthy through the sports medicine programs? And exactly what are they actually doing to stay in such physical shape that they can take those uh, hits, not regularly, but just taking up one hit can can be uh, devastating. But the bottom line is just to find out exactly what they are doing in order to stay year in and year out ready for the grind that the NFL is all about. Well, you hear it here, folks. One thing I need everybody to understand, when legends speak, people listen. People listen. Thank you so much, sports fans. Till next time.